0: Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. The return of an important new
1: superhero universe, Harley and Bruce have a shared relationship history, the next eight decades of eight billion genies, Lady Cop gets a clue, and could the Miracle-Man experiment be over? This is How I Got My Wife to Read Comics for Sunday, February 19th, 2023. I'm Mark.
2: And I'm Mindy. Just to remind you, you, can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get our feed, other SF podcasts and blogs, or subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and maybe leave us a review.
1: You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out Instagram at sfpodnetwork, And call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. My Bad, Volume 2, Number 1 and Number 2 from Ahoy Comics by Russell, Ingham, Krauss, and Orzak. The return of this ridiculous superhero parody title. A villain is taking revenge on superheroes by assassinating them when they order a pizza. Unfortunately, he's not very good at it, and he keeps killing civilians with names similar to actual heroes. One of the victims is Mort Spiderman. Meanwhile, the now-retired chandelier decides to get involved by ordering a pizza himself or having his manservant do so. His plans are botched by Amazon and her sidekick Monkey Boy, who take down a regular pizza delivery guy. She's there to get Chandelier to come out of retirement and join other heroes in tracking down the killer, which he's thrilled about. After a quick tour of Emperor King's Skyscraper, which includes many bars, Rush Hour tells Emperor King about Hero's Heart, a dating app for superheroes. He wants to sign up, but not being an acting hero, he's disqualified. A month later, Steel Integrity, Emperor King in a Metal Suit, has a date with Good Karen, a woman with a goal to redeem the Karen name. After a date on her private jet, they are off to meet with the other heroes. A quick flashback shows Emperor King buying the suit off the real Steel Integrity, who considers it to be a money pit.
2: Cut to the Suppermans, who are terrified of being the killer's next victims, but just gotta have a pizza. Mort ends up shooting down a regular delivery guy. We cut to the superheroes meeting at the Lamporatory and Chandelier inadvertently telling E.K. in the steel integrity suit more embarrassing secrets about him. They decide to split up and cover the city to track down the pizza killer. Chandelier uses his lamp plane and a net to just grab every pizza guy he sees. Meanwhile, the actual killer takes out Mort Supperman who opens the door assuming it's the cops there to arrest him. Also, doctor Duover decides to lay low, his near-namesake was just killed, adjourning to a wizard's bar. After an ad for a game involving office politics, we cut to Ms. Accelerator looking for a spokesperson for the fried chicken chain after the death of her alien hero husband. She's interviewing Amazing Adams, a time-traveling President Adams who gained super strength and loses it when he puts on a shirt. She already turned down Dirt Claude an actual clot of dirt, and Amazon due to her unnatural smile. She hires Adams to move cars in L.A. Now we're back with Emperor King slash Steel Integrity and Good Karen on their date. While he relieves himself in the bushes, a talking dinosaur attacks Karen. There's a fight with Emperor King having no idea how to use the weapons in his suit, forcing Acid Chimp to do what he does, burn a hole in the dinosaur's tail. By that point, Emperor King has admitted who he really is, and Karen dumps him.
1: Batman, The Adventures continue Season Three Number Two by Burnett Dino, Altieri, and Kubina, unlike previous seasons of this comic, which had a major storyline. This title is moved to One and Duns, which I think makes more sense, and it actually fits better with the animated series it's all based on. This one is all about Harley, who's bored to to her friends slash partners being out of town. When she reads that her old college roommate and possible paramour, Cassie Kendall, is back in town, Quinn makes a beeline to a party she's holding. We learn that Carrie was once involved with Bruce, before Harley barges in. Cassie hides Quinn in her bedroom, too many stuffed shirts at the party, only to be kidnapped via helicopter. Harley and Batman find themselves on the same side, and Harley explains how she was close to Cassie once, and that Cassie was stringing along Bruce back in the day. Separately, they determined that one of the kidnappers worked for Two-Face, and they arrived to question him. Two-Face was also involved with Cassie, but knows nothing about the kidnappers. The ransom is her entire $200 million fortune, normally available just as part of a trust fund. The attorney pays it off, but it turns out Cassie arranged the kidnapping to free up that trust to her directly. Harley and Bruce track her down and find out all about this. When Cassie considers herself the real victim, Batman replies, You've mistaken me for someone who cares.
2: Eight billion genies, number seven of eight from Image by Soul and Brown. We're now down to the next eight decades. Post-Genie Day. Human population, 18 million. Genie population, 213,000. The Wangs are at sea, being attacked by a genie created monster who wanted to be one with the sea. Now she's just lonely. The daughter's genie takes this moment to tell the Wang's daughter that she is of age and can now use her wish. Her parents stop her, and the dad suits up to rescue his family. They arrive at El Futuro, a haven where kids cannot use their wish until they reach 25. It's enforced by putting headphones on their genies. Year 10 Exactitude, a haven run by lawyers. The idea man is there to sell them on crafting a perfect wish to take out all the other havens at once. His persuasion power is lost on them as they believe in whatever their client needs them to believe. Also, they have an arsenal of wishes to protect themselves collected in various deals. Year 15, El Fuchero. Teens there, including the Wang's child, now calling herself Betty, are angry that they have to wait until 25 to use their wishes. Betty resents her parents.
1: Year 20? Hope's Hollow. Ed has a heart attack and dies, leaving June, a remnant, only a few minutes to tell Robbie that the Idea Man is a fraud before she disappears. Year 21, El Futuro. They realize they are the next target of the Idea Man and decide they need to strike first using the wishes of their kids. Year 23, Hope's Hollow. The Haven is attacked, and both sides use up most of their wishes. In the end, Idea Man survives with only two wishes left, one of which he uses to make the exactitude's lawyers stupid. Year 25, Fun City. The rest of the band are at Brian's funeral. Year 26, El Futuro. The now young adults decide they are leaving to live their own lives, leaving the Haven defenseless when they are attacked by the Idea Man. When he decides to convince the kids to go with him, Robbie swoops in and grabs him. The Idea Man only has one wish left and can't bring himself to use it to defend himself. The Wangs are killed, but not before the mom uses her wish to protect Betty. Idea Man is thrown into space and can't form his wish to save himself. Robbie returns and pledges to protect the kids. Year 45, Fun City Alex dies, and Daisy has to figure out what to do with her life. Year 80, sun's rest, Robbie dies, leaving Betty to figure out what to do with her life. Both go off separately to explore the new world with Daisy on a pegasus. Next, and the final issue, the first eight centuries.
2: Mm, I really like this book. Oh, Yeah. Danger Street, book three from DC Black Label. We return to the princess, a.k.a. Lady Cop, who uses Google to search for blue superheroes. She then has to deal with a printer issue. Meanwhile, High Father and Darkseid meet with Metron, who tells them that he has seen past the source wall. He also knows that a replacement for the slain Atlas can be found on Earth. Meanwhile, Starman and Warlord prepare to meet with them at a movie studio in hopes that they can resurrect the dead boy. The remaining dingbats are swimming at a pool, making plans to get revenge on their fallen brother, only to be chased out by the pool's owner.
1: Manhunter and codename assassin trade shots when the former tries to assassinate the boy billionaire. Lady Cop shows photos of blue heroes to a witness who IDs Starman. After some debate, Orion is called in to find the replacement for Atlas. Jack Ryder gets a call. His commentary show is a hit. The boy billionaire increases security for himself and decides to handle the issue himself. Starman and Warlord, in costume, meet with the studio head, one of the green team. After some discussion of using their IP, he tells them the duo can have a revival spell at a price. He wants the Sword of Shambhala. Lady Cop has brought a dingbat in for questioning, and when she has to leave to resolve a printer issue, he reads a file and sees that Starman is the murder suspect. Like all issues of the title, Dr. Fate's helmet takes us around the horn on the last page. To be continued.
2: Miracle Man, the Silver Age number 4 from Marvel by Gaiman, Buckingham, Belair, and Klein, with an assist from Anglo and Parlett. A young boy goes with his uncle to a church service, the Church of Miracle Man. The events of the 1980s have become religious texts, although there's not a big turnout. It's indicated that traditional religions went by the wayside when an actual god showed up. The boy sees a warpsmith by the door. She's called to meet with the black warpsmiths, the actual gods of this universe. They want her thoughts on the Earth experiment, and she doesn't see the race maturing any further. Perhaps it's time to wind things up? They tell her to keep monitoring things, and she reports to Miracle Man about the Black Warpsmith's continued commitment to your world. He's talking to Miracle Woman about the misstep with Dickie, although she's convinced that the boy is in love with Miracle Man.
1: Speaking of Dickie, he's about to leave Caxton's home. He asked Caxton if Miracle Man did something to get Caxton to give up being a superhero. Caxton replies that he was done with the superhero thing and wanted to be mostly left alone. Caxton also knows who Dickie is and that he needs to return to his home to find answers. MetaMaid joins him, wanting to be around someone who knows who they are, which is ironic. There's a second story where Miracle Man is looking for answers regarding Dickie, a framing device to present 1954's Young Marvel Man number 57. This is a story that introduces young Nasty Man, an alien who gains young Miracle Man like powers via drugs. He learns about young Marvel Man and comes to Earth to challenge him. There's a lot of 1950s-style civilian peril before young Marvel Man knocks out the villain and Doc Malone jabs him with an antidote, leaving him powerless. The story provides no answers for Miracle Man, but it does fill the space where early drafts of the 90s stories, which were now past, filled up the comic. AnnouncerBot
0: Call us at 614 That's 614-3219-SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody.
2: Bye.
0: Bye-bye.